the darkness. No, Kevin. Those are just his earthly remains. He's among the dark angels of the realm now. Fly, Colin. Fly into the firmament. <laughs> <laughs> You think so? Yeah, you're right. I'm pretty sure my son wouldn't have liked being eaten by a fucking cannibal and buried before his 18th birthday. Wow, you must have known him so well. Jill. By the time they found Colin in that godforsaken house, he looked like lasagna with teeth. I don't know, I had to identify the remains. My boy is not in the realm of the undead. He is not flying around in the firmament on magical wings of flame. He's in an overpriced rosewood box that's headed six feet downtown. So, you can take your pain. You can shove it up your asses, kids. The monopoly on pain. <laughs> you know, I'm just so pleased to say that the thing I love the most about Jennifer's body is the moms of Jennifer's body. The moms in Jennifer's body, for sure. Are, are notable. And I have to say, this clip of the week, I did not see because I watched the, you know, regular theatrical release edit. And this scene is in the extended release or the extended version. Um, and this scene was cut out. Uh, we do make reference of it later in the film when, you know, they're like, oh, I heard he looked like lasagna with teeth. Yeah. So we get that line, which is... <laughs> just absurd it's even more absurd when the mother says it um but Colin queen out what is this what is this scene this is okay so for Mary's who are this is of course is a free skit episode but we do Matreon movies all the time on Patreon and so one that we did I think at some point last year was the movie Straight Talk with Dolly Parton Mm. And this is like that scene with Amy Morton towards the end where it's a woman you haven't seen before and she shows up and it's like, excuse me, I'm going to take the movie for about a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. Thanks. <laughs> and though, and I would say that this woman who's playing Colin's mom, you know, so triggered, um, she looks kind of like an older Susie Weaver, AKA oh. Scorny Weaver. That's kind of mm. the image that you might get. Um, and they're all at this, you know, this, at the cemetery, you know, and Collins in the box and all that. And his goth friends are like, oh, you know, I, I, you know, would he like this? Like just being gothy and always with the undead, blah, blah, blah. And then Colin's mom on the other side of the box is sitting there and she's like, oh, yeah, I really think my son would have loved being, you know, eviscerated, blah, blah, blah. And then at one point she stands up to continue confronting them and the father grabs her arm and she, the uh. way she pulls her arm away is glorious it's so uh, good and then th this woman just gets to act while amanda seyfried's character is kind of in the distance watching this all happen and mm. it's great i just loved it i loved to me you know it's funny we just did our drag race uk episode and we ended the episode with the song from heathers and i felt like this moment is what made jennifer's body kind of move into that heathers 
um, satire territory, you know, like I loved my dead gay son, yeah, you know, right, right, and right. and I liked this, like giving this this larger picture of the goth kids mourning Colin's death, and then Colin's mom being like, "No, it's none of this. He's mm-hmm. dead." And I, I, ah, uh, I loved. Put Evanescence away. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, you're not gonna bring him to life, you know. Uh, <laughs> You're not going to wake him up inside. Yeah, exactly. He's my dead son. And I just, I thought it was great. So I will, as I told you, I will uh, screen capture that scene and send it to you afterwards. And Mary's, maybe I could attach it to the post. Maybe I'll Hmm. do that. Oh, oh, this is a free skate episode. No, it's free free. skate episode. Mary's, if you really want to see this scene, you can come and talk to us. Yeah. Reach out. Reach out. Reach out. out. Rmarypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, speaking of the moms in this movie, there's not a lot of them. Obviously, the ending scene uh, when, you know, Mrs. Jennifer finds uh, Needy on top of Jennifer's body. Mm. Um, uh, and then the great, amazing Amy Sedaris, who gives this very understated, simple role so much life. I and I know that's, oh. I know that I'm just like, Part of me is like, Johnny, are you just gagging because it's Amy Sedaris? But Mary, the moment that I think just needs to be praised is it's a very sad moment when it's before Needy goes to the prom and Mm -hmm. she's in her dress and there's nobody there to take the picture of them. And so they set up the camera and... I, I think, right? Yep. Am I wrong? And then yeah, okay. and then and then her mom stands next to her and kind of does yes. this weird pose. It's like she's standing next to like a I don't know, some ficus that she grew and is putting into a plant Correct. Co- competition. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. There's this I don't it's this performance that she gives of this mother who I it's lost. It's going through the motions like it seems like Needy's mom is needier than Needy, and she just can't seem to really be present, but knows that she has to be. And the the smile that she has on her face, and then the moment after the picture's taken, it it's just worth studying. And in the version you saw, there was the first that scene of them in the morning earlier in the movie, yes, right? Where we she, saw that. Where she eats the bread. She's like, well, I'm, I'm a built for a tough mama, mama bear or something like that. Mm-hmm. She, there's little nuances where I thought, oh, I love watching Amy Sedaris act because you can always see the gears moving in a way mm-hmm. that I enjoy. Like you can always see that she's like, she's doing a lot of character work, you know? Correct. Uh, I did want to mention that when Jennifer's mom came into her room at the end, she there was a moment of like Nev Campbell didn't she look a little bit like Nev Campbell oh I see that right yes, yeah I see that little Sydney Prescott um <laughs> it's also worth mentioning Matreon alum I believe no maybe not I don't think we've ever talked about home for the holidays on this podcast no. um but if we ever do uh Cynthia Stevenson plays uh Chip's mom Chip's mom mm-hmm. yeah uh, and she's one of those actresses where, like, I feel this is a whole genre of, like, women who I think played moms in sitcoms in the 90s. Mm. You know, like, I think mm-hmm. Cynthia Stevenson and, like, Mel Harris. And, you know, there's, like, a brand of woman, you know, a brand of early 90s actress. 
Hollywood knows, you know, who to typecast and did it in the 90s yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We need a mom for the troll. Oh, have you talked to Cynthia? Yeah, she might be right. free. Yeah. Right. Who's the mom from Growing Pains? Uh, Joanna Kearns. Joanna Kearns. I feel like great. she's... I feel like she's in so many sitcoms as the mom, you know, but she's not. But she's not. But she just is is so right for the role of yeah. playing the sitcom mom. Yeah. Right. Right. And sometimes <laughs> I would confuse her with the mom from Wonder Years, but she's not. That's Haley That's Mills. Who I, yes. And oh, my God. And she is phenomenal. We need to do a, a just a special episode on her in that show and that one scene or for that one episode. Oh, my God. She is so good on that show unsung yeah i feel like i would love to do an episode about the mom it's not Haley mills it's i'm gonna look it up Allie mills i think her name is Allie mills um okay. yeah there's something about her that i think it's from growing up watching the wonder years where when i see her now i think oh i always thought you were like a friend of my mom's that's how i always remembered her in that you know mm. what i mean like um i don't know there's something about she's just a mom that i remember when i was a kid you know mm-hmm totally yeah, she's uh, she just does so well, so well Allie in, Mills. in that role. Allie Mills. Oh, yeah, God, Mary's praise. listening. What's Allie Mills' best episode of The Wonder Years so that we can do an episode on it? Oh, yeah. Oh, please. And I know you know which one I'm talking about. There's one episode where she just rings it all out. Oh, my oh. God. Okay, Ugh, I'll, she's I'll... like worried. Ugh, I, I don't know what it is. Anyway, uh, we are here to talk about... Jennifer's body. Jen's uh, body. Yeah. Which, you know, got it was it's a 2009 movie. Uh I think it got panned when it first came out because yeah. it was supposed to be this like sex pot boy movie and it's the opposite of that. I feel like yeah, people I re I remember that being the takeaway is like, oh, this was not what we were hoping this was. This was not sexy. It wasn't literal. It was like there was right. There was so much underneath the surface that I think just didn't come through that I kind of, yeah, I watching it now, I was like, oh, this movie's really smart. It's yeah. a, you know, I, I guess people were just hoping for like, she's all that, you know? Mm -hmm. There's so much more to this movie uh, that, that, that they're saying about the horror genre, about women in film, about, um, you know, girls in high school. Like, there's just so much going on. And I think when it came out, people were like, wait a second, where's the, uh, she's the demon, right? Like, I think that people didn't, maybe mm -hmm. they wanted, what's that movie, Species? Uh-huh, with Natasha Henstridge, yeah. That, and, yeah. and I think it's Rebecca Romaine, right? It's, um, it, or no, at least I thought it was. Oh, it, it's Natasha Henstridge. Yeah, That's, but and I thought it was Rebecca. Oh, Romaine, you thought but, it was Rebecca Romaine, who could yeah. also who could be in Species, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but Species, I think, is a good one to kind of relate this movie to because that one worked for men. That one was much more, you know, tits and ass, and and you know that that straightforward, you know, '90s approach to things. Whereas, yeah, I feel like this, it was this movie was aware of species, species, mm -hmm. if you will. I don't know if I'm saying species. species or species, you know. Species. Species. There's <laughs> another word I try never to say out loud. Uh, well, it's a species, not a species. No, it's right? species, yeah. <laughs> Spivays, you know. Uh, there's For sure, the, why not? Yeah, there's the remake. Um, mm -hmm. It's also worth, obviously, the movie is written by Diablo Cody, so, like, it's not going to be oh, a straightforward, right. you know, there's going to be a commentary, and it's directed... By Karen Kusama, who directed The Invitation. That's right. 
Yes. So that I, was exciting. I realized that when I was looking up the movie after I watched it again. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. doing so something. When you yeah. think about who's behind the script and who's behind the direction, it it it's almost like, well, it makes no sense to think of this as like a straightforward horror movie. Right. You have to think a little bit. You have to pay attention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, uh, what I thought was really interesting, kind of my overall takeaway is that obviously Jennifer, I mean, there's so many, the more you think about it, there's actually a lot of interesting layers of like Jennifer becomes the predator, you know, she goes from prey to predator and she basically turns into the monster that she was victimized by. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a way is turning the tables at the thing that keeps her alive. And the thing that, you know, feeds her is is victimizing men is taking Mm. advantage of men and you know once a month one yeah i think is such a beautiful nuance yeah and so there's like a a lot there of like a it's subverting the whole who's the predator narrative and Mm -hmm. you know uh who needs to be carrying pepper spray or who needs to be afraid of walking through the park at night Mm -hmm. um but then i think there's just as much commentary i think about you know uh people who are hungering to be in a relationship, people who are desperate for love, people who are just like, you know, craving it. And, and then we'll meet somebody and we'll quote unquote destroy them by just like yes. sucking them dry and, and being needy and desperate and all of their baggage comes out. And this is any gender, by the way. Yeah, for sure. I, I've right. experienced this. And, um, and I love this as a metaphor of that, of like, oh yeah, you can meet someone and literally drain them. Yeah. Yeah, you will turn into lasagna with teeth. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's kind of like finding the the wishbone. You know, make a wish. You found the tooth. (laughs) That's a marketing scheme. You know, Stouffer's might want to put a couple of teeth in their lasagnas. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, that sounds so gross. But think about how much fun it would be. It's like finding the baby in the king cake. Find the tooth in the lasagna. Okay. Well, hopefully it's like an almond and not a real tooth, Mary. No, it would be it would be a it'd be a, a a big old fake tooth. Yeah. Good. Um yeah, this movie, you know, if we're going to just talk about it generally before moving into little moments, um I have to say is also a, it reminds me of commentaries it's similar to Heather's, right? Because we have Heather's. You also have, have like a little bit tinge of like Dear Evan Hansen when they're commenting on kind of the faux and corporate side of grief mm-hmm. and how grief is kind of used um, and how, you know, if you're not grieving in a certain way, if you're not, you know, praising the song that represents this town's grief like you're looked at differently or you're kind of cast aside um the commentary on that i found very interesting in retrospect which i don't think i grasped onto when i first saw this movie in like 2009 um i I think yeah there's some kind of like grief fatigue that eventually sets in where it's like People aren't as shocked. The deaths don't stop the presses. They still go on with planning the dance eventually, even when yeah. Colin dies. And you're just like, well, you know, I think she says some line of like, grief is not in season anymore, you know? And, and right. That, oh, yeah. That was last week, right? That's yeah, that was last week. Yeah. 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 And that, yeah. that's, I, I think that's very now. That's I was going to say, now. man, oh, man, did she say a mouthful in 2021? I yeah. really had to like say, wow. You're so right. That that oh, brilliant, brilliant. And 
And I, the other commentary that I remember from the movie is when J.K. Simmons' character is kind of standing up there bumbling around a speech um, to the class, like I think the day after the fire, um, Jennifer is giving a running commentary on what he's saying, just retort after retort. Yeah. And she's not really wrong. He's like, the fire will not win. She's like, it already won. Yeah, right, right. And there's just a, she, you know, I think there's the, the joke about the Spanish teacher. It's like, oh man, she bit it too. And, and <laughs> Senorita. Senorita, Senorita Erickson. Yeah. <laughs> And the satire of that, like Senorita Erickson. Oh, I oh, love that. She that was, died too. <laughs> yeah, that was really smart. Um, but, and you know, it's funny what that reminded me of in a way. It was the same tone that Scream has yeah. where everybody's like excited by the murders. You know, there's mm. there's a there's a bloodlust or something. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh man, like shit, we're in the middle of something now. And, um, and I thought there was a bit of that too where, you know, it was kind of like there are some people that their version of grief, whether it's genuine or not, is to like make jokes about it or to not take it seriously or to find, you know, the gag about Senorita Hamilton and that. And that was my uh, Spanish teacher when I was a kid with Senorita, Senorita Hamilton. She did not die in a fire, though. So. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah, the, they, they make reference to it again when the, the demons are talking, the band. Uh, they're like, you know, indie bands these days, you need to be in a you know a bad movie on the soundtrack uh, I, or, I think they used a different word <laughs> uh, they did Mary they did and I'm I'm got to be on I, some R word soundtrack yeah. well and you know what's interesting about the use of that word throughout this movie Repeatedly. It's, not, it's not that it's 2009 because it was bad in 2009 it's like well people are using bad words all the time right and that's just another bad word to use and yeah it should give you pause right it should be it should be bad and they're and they're using it all the time in this movie very interesting but anyway yeah. they say they say uh you know you need to be on that you know cast album or not cast album um soundtrack or there needs to be some sort of like uh national thing that you're tied to and i there's probably examples of this, right? Where bands got bigger than they should have been. I think that it's almost like they were pointing to Garden State. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I I think it's interesting, the timing, because I feel like in 2009, they're on the tail end of an era of, like, soundtracks, of, mm. of pop rock soundtracks, of it not being the score, but, I mean, it being, I think, of, like, all the teen movies. I think all of those were... Uh, you know, they were like an, a less, you know, because at the time the, the Garden State soundtrack was so cool, but they were like a less cool version of that where it was just, you know, um, songs that, I don't know, fed the the atmosphere of the movie, you know? And so I yeah, feel like, right. and so around 2009, I feel like is an interesting time to make the commentary because I think all the Scream movies, all those horror movies, um, you know, all those teen movies, like that was... Yeah, I guess it that was is a selling point. Yeah, it was a selling point. Yeah, I, and the Dear Evan Hansenness of Through the Trees, which is I think just such a wonderful satire uh, in this movie that I, you know, I think really deserves just some praise. Uh, that song, um, it's a good it, song as well. Like, well, it was... it's a good song in the sense that I think it 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 satirizes what it's supposed to because I think of Dear Evan Hansen and at the end of the first act there's this song called You Will Be Found and Mary that song is a satire that song is actually 
all false. There's nothing authentic about those words because it's built on this lie that Evan Hansen creates after this speech this, that goes viral, right? And everybody's like, you know, oh, you know, you're, if you're out there, you know, just reach out, you know, reach out your hand uh, and you will be found. And it's not true. It's not true in the story. He makes up this lie. And I. what's interesting is that it plays out in real life, like in the United States after Dear Evan Hansen came out. That song was sung for benefits, as mm. the closer of mm-hmm. choir concerts, in, in earnest. And oh, it's yeah. like, wait mm-hmm. a second. Are you not paying attention? This song is not true. It's like when they would do the YMCA at like Republican National Conventions. It's like you guys know you're singing about hooking up in the steam room, right? Like Yeah. And, you all know what the, you're saying right now, right? Right. You're it's it's almost like you don't you're performing this earnestly and I get it you're taking it out of context, which happens all the time, but for people to latch onto that song, first of all, shows how good the song is, but also they're continuing the lie. That, right. that nobody's really recognizing. And I think with this song, like, you know, the, the main refrain is like, I'm still here, I'm still breathing. And uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's... It, it, yeah, when it's, you listen to it, it's like, oh, this isn't touching. This is really... Yeah. Uh, a great example of this is Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. That song is not oh, a I celebration know. of living in the United States. It's all about Vietnam. Like, it's right. super fucking dark. And I didn't know that till recently. And then I was like... Oh my God, when you think of all of the venues and all of the times that that song was the beating heart of a moment, I just, Mm -hmm. I kind of love it. I mean, in a way, when you, and I think they're kind of showing that in this movie, um, I think the other two kind of did this with some of Chase's songs as well, is when you pull back that lens of watching people ignorantly sing those lyrics is like the perfect summation of what patriotism, patriotism is and what grief often is and it's it's this like yeah. dumb performance that no one's even listening to the words because they think they're this is what grief sounds like this is what patriotism sounds like and of course right. no one's actually listening to what they're saying right yeah i mean born in the usa is a, is a brilliant protest song and it just turned into something else uh that happens a lot with music right i think of uh queen and a lot of the songs in their catalog, we are the champions, we will rock you. And it's mostly sung by straight people at, you know, straight geared events and, mm-hmm. and sporting events and whatnot with that celebrates masculinity and machismo and, and capitalism and um, power and dominance. And meanwhile, like it's queen, <laughs> it's this glam yeah. rock band led by Freddie Mercury. Right. It's, <laughs> and no, nobody really wants to talk about that. <laughs> Well, right. I mean, that's the thing is you you might have some sporting event where there's plenty of people there who, you know, uh, I just don't need those gays rubbing it in my face, you know, Mm -hmm. but they will. My ass is for shit. Yeah, yeah. Exit only. I hope I wiped, you know, but they will sing Queen, you know, at the top of their lungs. And I just think, oh, you don't even know. Like you have a butt plug in and you don't even know. (laughs) Uh, totally totally yeah and so uh you know on the second watch of jennifer's body i also found it brilliant that in that first uh sequence of her in in the the juvie Mm -hmm. um when they throw her into the solitary room 
there's music playing on the speaker. It's like Muzak. Yeah. And it, it is like a MIDI version of Through the Trees. And that's when she says, oh, I hate this song. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, like a little detail you wouldn't get if you watch if you didn't watch it twice, which I, yeah. I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I only watched it once. So you're right. Because oh. I missed that. <laughs> I wouldn't have I wouldn't have realized that. And in fact, actually watching it. I, it took me a moment when the song was playing. I, w- I thought, oh, they're doing that thing we just talked about of you have to have a song on a, on an, on a soundtrack. And mm. then they were using their song in this movie the way you would use one of those songs in a soundtrack. Right. And I was like, oh, wow, this really fits. And, then, and like, they gooped me, you know? Yeah. And uh, I love that. I felt like the, it's one thing to have that song and just have it be this joke, but I love that they then use... They use it against us. So, for example, in the climax of the movie, I feel Ugh. like that song is scoring her running Ugh. to the pool house. Can we talk about that scene? Yes! Oh, my God. The brilliance of the in directing dress, and the writing. Running, in that dress. Running through the Going through the window. Yeah, running through the woods, going through the window, climbing down the, the briar, if you will. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Damsel in distress on its head. It's, yeah, it's so well done. It was so. I mean, I really have to say, I really enjoyed Amanda Seyfried as a final girl a lot more than mm. I thought I would. She was, you know, there's definitely a journey that she goes from, you know, from needy to Anita. Needy. Yeah, uh-huh. needy to Anita. Absolutely. From needy to Anita, and and we see that evolution, and it is, it it's gratifying. Like I really, I enjoyed seeing her, like especially in that climactic scene, being like praying to saint whoever like give me the strength to kill this bitch Mm -hmm. and i think that also helps is that needy has a human narrative correct she's not the uh what's her face uh judy greer in the beginning of jawbreaker yeah Uh, yeah which i haven't seen but i that is (gasps) i know i know i should say that now is jawbreaker is i've heard of it i know rebecca gayhart's in it i know someone chokes on a jawbreaker but uh, that's all I know about it. Wow. I know. All right. Huge that omission. will be, that will be a movie we talk about. I mean, Judy Greer anyway, um, uh, to say nothing of Tatum, right? Like, uh, Oh, what's, uh, Rose McGowan, what's Rose McGowan for sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, so this scene, right, it's through the trees is playing. She's running. She gets to this like pool house that, seemingly hasn't been used in a while. It's a very random building, which I'm just kind of like, whatever. Let's just, let's go with it. It's Devil's Kettle. Um, And the dialogue between Needy and Jennifer in this scene, I think is so smart. Uh, Notably the part where she's like, whatever, she's just flying. It's not that impressive. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes in movies, I'm like, those moments can like undermine a scene. But in this case, like the movie's tone earned it at that point. Yes. I didn't need them to play it serious at this point, you know? No way. And then, you know, obviously Jennifer's retort is like, ah, you're just so jealous of me all the time. And I loved how they took this climax of a movie to have it be the reckoning between these two friends. Yeah. And that's what the movie's been about. They they compare the sexual experiences side by side earlier in the movie. Uh, you know, where uh, Jennifer is about to eat Colin and then she's having sex with Chip, which we will get into because that is also a very interesting scene. Um, you know, you you keep you kind of forget that it 
it's two sides of of a of a teenage girl hell, right? One of them mm-hmm. seemingly already went through puberty, and one of them's about to go through it in a way. Um, if you want to take that metaphor, and they're competing um, mm-hmm. consistently, and they're good friends, right? Well, they do love th- each other. And I think highlighting that someone like Jennifer, and I think there's a lot of people who can identify like the Jennifer in their life, where like at the end of the day, it's like, oh, you're actually profoundly insecure, and yeah. all of this is a performance that you've dialed up so that I so that that'll you know, block out the insecurity that no one will hear it or see it if they, if you're just like, you know, pretending to be a sex pot all the time. And I, mm. I, and I liked, you know, like that moment of, of needy being like, you've really never been a good friend. Like mm-hmm. you've kind of always been awful. And I think that was probably the most interesting thing about this. And like at the heart of it is like, ugh, how fucking complicated female friendships can be and how it can become competitive. Well, especially in high school. And I think that's kind of what's being uh, displayed here is that there is, throughout the movie, you see Megan Fox, Jennifer, play... She's playing an adolescent girl who has to put on what she looks like. And every now and then you see flashes of her age, which I think is... Credit to Megan Fox, right? You see it when she's kind of fangirling out to those boys, uh, you know, the demon band. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, you see it when uh, she's explaining what happened to her to Needy. She kind of gets a little bit more childlike. She's, Mm -hmm. she's, it's, it's sad, you know, because she, she's not caught up yet, you know? I think that kind of lends to maybe one thing that was a little bit missing in this movie, I think is like, we don't really know who Jennifer is or like, I don't felt, I didn't feel like I really had a sense of like her backstory, you know, other than, than really how needy saw her and how a lot of other people saw her. And maybe that's the point of it. But even, you know, at one point I was like, wait, have we ever met needy's or uh, Jennifer's parents? And then suddenly we meet her mom at the end. And I guess with a character like this, you know, inevitably I'm like, okay, but what's your home life like? Where, you know, where's this yeah. all coming from? Mary, I would have liked to see more of that. I will say in a way it's, I think it's smart that Jennifer's body is only Jennifer's body throughout most of the movie until the very end when you're like, oh my God, she just killed her friend. And then the mom mm-hmm. comes in and you're like, oh right, she has a whole story. She has a whole life. She's this little girl. She's this young, you know, young thing that used to play with Needy in the Sandbox and steal her toys, right? Like there's, there's a thing there. There's something there. And we're always underestimating it. We're always forgetting about it. We're always e- excusing it because we're so focused on her body. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they kind of show that in that last scene that suddenly it's as if the whole, the lighting, ever the perspective changes. Mm-hmm. And from what Needy sees of this like crazy battle royale on the bed, then when Jennifer's mother comes in, it's just, oh, you're just on top of my daughter stabbing her to death. Yes. And yeah, it, uh, I mean, I guess that is true is that obviously the movie is called Jennifer's Body. And so there is a sense of like, that's really the most we know about Jennifer is her body. And that's every fucking horror movie, Mary, right? Women are only used for their bodies. And that's why I think this is also subversive. Well, if ever there was a time to talk about therapy. And I do love to talk about therapy. I honestly don't know anyone who wouldn't benefit from it these days, myself included. 
I couldn't agree more, Mary. And it's super accessible now thanks to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed professional therapist safely and privately. You can be matched with someone within 24 hours. And with phone or video sessions available, scheduling a session is as easy as ordering a lovely cheese pizza just for me. And much like Selena, I love pizza. I also love that you can send a message to your counselor basically at any time and actually get a response. And if you want to change counselors, no problem. It's both free and easy. BetterHelp is available worldwide, and their counselors are licensed and trained in everything from depression and anxiety to grief, relationships, sleep, self-esteem, and more. There are so many people using BetterHelp right now. They've recruited more counselors in all 50 states. It's more affordable than traditional in-person talk therapy, and there's even financial aid available if you need. Marys, if you're interested in trying BetterHelp, get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash allrightmary. That's H-E-L-P. That's right. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash allrightmary, and that's H-E-L-P. All right, Mary. And the other side of things is like needy and like, she and Chip. Right. It's like there's a lot of leading up to like when is she going to give her body to him? Mm, yeah. I, I, the God, the we can move to that scene because the the it's set up with like, oh, I'm going to Super Target to get more condoms. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, God, condoms. like we're going to do this. Ugh. And, you know, obviously he's not doing it right. You know, he's not going down on her. He's not pleasing her. They only mm. know sex in this teenage way. Yeah. And I just thought it was almost, almost as disturbing as the, as the Jennifer eating Colin scene disturbing in the sense that she starts crying out and is in distress. And he's like, Oh, I'm doing real well. Mm-hmm. Well, and and he thinks he's doing well, and he's got his eyes closed, so he's clearly like, you know, focused on either not coming or mm-hmm. focused on whatever. He's not focused on having sex with her. It right. It's only like a step up from masturbation, and right. That was interesting to watch. Of like, oh god, like your your approach to sex is essentially the same way you approach making a hot pocket. You just like put in, you know, two minutes, heat up, heat should up. be done. Yeah. Um. And yeah, he says something about the condoms, like, oh, it's supposed to make the girl feel better. Yeah, yeah, I get these condoms supposed to make it feel good for the girl. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, and, you know, she's just like, oh, okay. Right. You know, it, there's this, there's still this innocence in that scene, and yet it's also not good because she's distressed. And then he's like, oh, am I too big? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. you. Fuck you. You do deserve to die at the end, you little shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he says it with like this like satisfaction of, oh, am I too big? Ugh. Ugh. And then, yeah. Like, what did I do? Is it something I did? And yeah, it, it's really, um, I mean, God, I, it made me think like this has to be so many people's first sexual experiences in high school of just that moment of like just staring at the ceiling going, oh, God. Is that all is there this is? What it is? Is this yeah. what it is? It's just right. you just turning a light switch on and off. Okay. And and what's interesting about and I I just want to echo kind of what the director and writer were talking about. Um, there's you know there's that scene between Jennifer and Needy where they're making out and it's getting really hot mm. and some would call it gratuitous but they're 
what the writer and director were kind of talking about is like, yeah, it is hot and it, it's supposed to be hot. And there's a bond between teenage girls that could be sexual or it could be just like very uh, friendship oriented and just a very intimate bond because most, you know, girls like when they're growing up, yeah, they want to spend every waking moment with their best friend. They want to be on the phone with them for hours. They want to, you know, be cuddling with them in bed. Like I think Jennifer says, or I think Jennifer says, like, you want to play boyfriend, girlfriend? Like there's, it's not that it's sexual. It's just very intimate. There's a different connection, which is why it's interesting that Needy is kind of thinking about Jennifer while she's in this moment with Chip. And I don't know if it's sexual. I, it, it, for anything, it's just an intimate bond. And so to put those two scenes next to each other, I just think was brilliant. Yeah, it, it um it, it you kind of think of like Anna and Maya in Pen Fifteen and mm. the friendship they have and like the variation of intimacy they have at that age and that it is a lot of cuddling in bed and being close to each other and physical intimacy and um and of course obviously it's that kind of like unquestioned physical intimacy that between two women that if you saw it between two men it's like right. what's going on here yeah. and yeah you know and so I think there's the fact that we could see this scene happen and you know, yeah, there is a sense in the movie that maybe there is some attraction that needy may have some attraction to Jennifer, but mm -hmm. it doesn't derail the plot. Whereas if this was like, you know, uh, James's body and if it was about two male friends and there was a makeout mm. scene, the whole movie would go into a ditch at that sure. point. You would yeah. never be able to get past the fact that the guy is made out. He's in love with him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So exactly. anything else that would happen would be irrelevant. So it's like, yeah, but they fucking made out. It's tainted now, you know? Right. It it just the it it juxtaposes Jennifer's uh journey in adolescence with needies because yeah, I mean, you hear that girl in the beginning. I love that actress. She's in second act. She says, she's like, Oh, come on, Lesba gay, like you're staring at her or whatever. Um, that there is this sense of the young intimacy between two friends when you get a little bit older or when you're when you go through puberty and whatever, turns into something else. And Needy is not there, whereas Jennifer has been there to the point where, you know, the scene that's spliced in with with Needy's uh, having sex with Chip, we hear her say, like, I have a wedding. You give me a wedding. Yeah. Yeah. She has she is much further along in the fluency of her own sexuality. Mm -hmm. And um, and there's a casualness. And of course, I think saying that it's like she's also once again being the quote-unquote dude in these scenes mm -hmm. instead of saying i have yeah. a boner i have a wetty right, right. Uh, it i mean i think that's the thing to remember is that if if you flipped again if you flipped the genders of jennifer being male and all the victims being female well we've actually seen that <laughs> like many yeah. times in many different ways like this movie wouldn't stand out but a movie like species or uh, jennifer's body does is because we and i think there was one was there one recently with like an alien? It wasn't Scarlett Johansson, but there was one recently, you know, uh, with some alien woman who was eating guys. That okay, uh, that makes sense. I can't remember I what it was called. What it is. Yeah, sure. I think it was British. Maybe you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, it like if you if you were to reverse all the genders in this movie, all of a sudden it's a lot less shocking. Only because oh, we've actually seen that a lot. Yeah. Oh, right, right. But, uh, you know, for 2009 to just kind of do this, 
I think is is notable. Um, I think a, a scene that stuck out to me that actually, if I can go out on a limb here, Miss Watson, is that was the scariest part of the movie. That was very dark, kind of black comedy, but like really scary is when Jennifer is quote unquote murdered, when she's, uh, you know, sacrificed. Yeah. That whole, that is the scariest part when, Mm -hmm. when, first of all, when they're like roughing her up, when they're, you know, when she's in the van and then out of the van and then they're tying her up and then they start singing eight, six, seven, five, three or nine. I, I, I'm glad that we didn't have to watch a sexual assault. Like, I'm just really glad that we didn't have to, that they didn't just do that. But yeah. this was this was just as horrifying, right, in the sense that you could empathize, that these are maniacs. These are, are, are people that are laughing and having a good time and singing this 80s song. And he kept stabbing. Like, it was awful. Yeah. There, so there was- scary. There were a few, I mean, that that in particular being the, the highlight, but like there were definitely a few moments this movie are always like, oh, this is kind of brutal. I mean, yeah. but that scene, you know, I mean, it's all very much on purpose, so I'm not canceling anything. But, you know, like when they're in the van and she's like, are you guys, are you going to rape me? And then mm. Adam Brody's character is like, oh, God, I hate women. You know, Ugh. we're like, oh, of course, that's what you You don't think. have to talk, you know, if you don't want to, you don't yeah. have to talk. Oh, my God. But like, <sighs> sick and like yes that should be in the movie because like that's so fucked up like that's so and like probably very real i i will say i think adam brody did a great job as this totally this villain character i thought he was just awful oh god he was so awful i loved the scene i don't know if it was supposed to be funny or what it was a little random when she's like he looked like a twisted tree i saw when i was a little girl and then they showed the tree. They had this like flashback when he's putting her in the van. And, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's this God. He just looks at her and he shrugs. That I mean, how is that not just as scary as like the it clown Pennywise? Well, all of those moments in the movie. I mean, at that point, it was starting to like if you didn't know any better, if they didn't show some of the like crazier parts, this all kind of feels like your classic like you know. Uh, I don't know, a high school girl gets raped TV movie, yeah. you know, like right. that was how this was playing out as, and I saw her leave with these guys in this van and it just feels like the, uh Oh, like these situations don't end well. Uh, I appreciated a young Chris Pratt at the bar. I know you're saw a big that. Chris Pratt fan. I'm I know not a big Chris Pratt fan, but yes. Ga- Guardians of the galaxy. No, I love Jurassic world. You idiot. Oh, well, <laughs> I was sure you loved Guardians of the Galaxy. I I liked Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's not my favorite part of Guardians of the Galaxy. You like that little Groot character. <laughs> I've never seen it, so I don't even know if that's a character in Guardians of the Galaxy. He is. It, Groot yeah. is not a little in the first one. He's actually oh. a big Groot. But. He gets Grooted. Yeah. <laughs> Upgrooted. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've said this many times in past Matreon movies, but I'm always very interested in how movies portray school. And oftentimes teachers are bumbling idiots. Uh, they are 
not really aware of what's going on in kids' lives. They're often making the wrong decision. They're saying something callous. They're saying something sexist or racist or, you know, everybody's facing forward with a chalkboard or they're overly happy or whatever. And this movie didn't fail. Um, J.K. Simmons, you know, hears him screaming in the woods, uh, the, the first victim, and is like, ugh, let it out. Let it mm-hmm. out, man. Yeah. Just let it out. And eventually uh, is like, oh, it sounds like, a, you know, he eventually follows his nose. But uh, he's the only teacher we really see, I think, in this movie. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, there was, oh, oh, speaking of, of men in this movie, I assume in the version you saw as well, my alien's love interest shows up at the very end. Is that in your Bill version? Paxton? Lance Henriksen. Oh, he's in this? Wow. So, okay, again, Marys, we watched different versions, so I didn't... So at the very... Okay, oh, okay, let's talk about this. Great, let's is, talk about this. So is, at the end is, of the, yeah, go ahead. At the end of the movie, when Needy is hitchhiking, and oh. then the car pulls over, and it's like a wood panel that's station. That's him? Wagon, that's Lance Henriksen. That's him? That's oh, my that bishop. creepy man. That's oh my, my that's sweet my little bishop. bishop. Yeah. <laughs> My little I did. I did like how the credits show Needy into her own power and oh you know, yeah, avenging. The, yeah, yeah. I and I loved it. Like I think it was like one of the last shots was Adam Brody's character with like the knife in his chest, and yeah. I feel like it. It it was like that screen said like written by a Diablo Cody. Like it was a great like screen grab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. No, I'm glad that you know we we went to we started in the you know juvie mental facility and then ended there. Um, and the twist is that she got bit by a demon. And I'm just like, ugh, this is super creative. This is super. They, they it didn't stop. It's like yes, she would be changed. She did go through something, and would have this thing inside her that needs to be fed in a way. But it's like using it, I don't want to say for good, but using it for vengeance, using it for purpose versus Mm -hmm. just like needing to keep a monster fed. Like I feel like, yeah, there is kind of the, you know, (laughs) Anita's body. There's Needy's body. Needy's body. Needy's body, you know? Um, (laughs) Needy. Needy. (laughs) How do you solve a problem like needy? Uh, how do you solve a problem like needy? I don't know, Mary. I don't know. Um, Ask Maria. I, I did love. I did love the casting choice of of Amanda Siegfried. I call her Siegfried. Um, sure, sure. As, as needy, I thought you know because this was after Mean Girls. Um, yeah, and I I, th- I know that she was kind of she wasn't she didn't blow up like uh, you know um, Rachel McAdams. Let's see. She kind of took a different she took a different route. But was, you know, eventually got her, her dues. She was in Mamma Mia. Well, right? she was, that was in Mamma Mia big deal. before Jennifer's body. So, yeah, right. I feel like that was, what else did she do with anything else? That was, well, yeah, it was a whole four years after. So, yeah. You know. Yeah, she did Mean Girls 2004. Oh, she was in this movie Nine Lives. That's really good. In 2005. Cats? No cats. No cats oh. at all. She was not in cats. She did appear in 11 episodes of Veronica Mars. So uh, <gasps> oh, she was a Veronica, Mama Mia. Yes, Mama Mia. She did Red Riding Hood. She did uh, oh, Dear Big John. Love. She was on Big Love. She was. Oh, I didn't. And I stopped watching that after the. F- oh, it, Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Uh huh. Yeah. She played Linda Lovelace. Uh huh. 
Oh, she was Linda Lovelace. Yeah, I don't know how well that oh movie did, God. but she played Linda Lovelace. Um, I watched it, and I don't really remember if maybe I turned it off. Uh, I can't remember. I think I was a little uncomfortable. Mm. Well, she got obviously nominated movies. for an Oscar for Mank, and now she's going to be playing Elizabeth Holmes in a filmed version of the podcast, The Dropout, all about the, you know, I always want to say Theranos, but it's whatever it is, the, um, you know, the little blood test lady. I'm Elizabeth Holmes. I don't know anything about I'm this. the Steve Jobs of medicine. Oh, my God. Really? No. Oh, wow. So Elizabeth Holmes, she was essentially, yeah, she, she considered herself the Steve Jobs of medicine and, and had, had founded this company called Theranos that would do this, like, really complex, or, or it, you know, claim to this really complex blood test using just a small droplet of blood. And so it's just, you know, and they were going to make it available at Walgreens and it was just going to revolutionize, you know, healthcare. And, mm. uh, and then it all ended up being a huge scam. And she just wow. doubled down. I mean, it just, it's so fucked up, but she has this very distinct voice. I'm Elizabeth Holmes. That's kind of how she sounds. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh my and I don't think that's her real voice. I think she's putting that on. Uh, what did you think of Megan Fox? You know, I, the, I was I was thinking about Megan, um, Megan, and I thought <laughs> I feel like she gets. I don't think she. Ha- I feel like she gets kind of a kind of shit on as an actress, or like I don't know. I just I feel like Cause she she's pretty because she's pretty. I thought she was great in this movie. I I thought perfect casting, like really really great. Uh, more than I way more than I expected of her way more and i think that people weren't ready for that because they were just like expecting oh this pretty girl from transformers got the role and whatever and she i i really think she delivered um and and did what the movie kind of needed her to do which is not just be pretty i mean i think it was really smart to cast someone that you would that in another less intelligent movie would just play the the femme fatale, so to speak, would just be the, mm-hmm. the, the, the hot monster. And so if that was the movie, if it was that just like simple dude movie from say 2005, then they would cast her and there would be no under, like n- nothing underneath, you know what I mean? Right. And so I think to then put her in this role and give all of this subtext, I, I love that. And I think it didn't require her to become like, you know, Judy Dench and get really deep. I think part of what was great is that she, she played all of these really like these moments that could be really subversive or satirical, but she as an actress still approached it as if she was in that 2005 dude movie. Yeah. And I mean, I think Megan got all of the humor. I think she got the darkness Yep, and you know, it wasn't like a Nomi Malone situation where she didn't know what movie she was in. I think she's in on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. She She, knows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She had so many of those lines. Like when, when she asks needy for a tampon that, I mean, that line could have just, you could have groaned and it was funny. Right. I just wanted, I thought you might be plugging. Yeah. Yeah. Even that last line of like, Oh, my tit. Like, yeah. <laughs> what what movie is it? Like, oh, you punched my tit. What's that's, that from? It's <laughs> oh my titties. My that's, titty. Uh, well, that's from Superstar. That's what it is. Oh my titty. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> oh my tit. I really, I think that it was it was really good casting, and um, I'm not saying that she's you know 
uh, that Tony Collette needs to worry no, in terms of competition. No. But I think, you know, you cast someone in the right role and, you know, bada bing, bada boom, that shoe fits. Yeah. And I, I, I thought, you know, for a, I guess this was sort of a teen movie, but it's so much more than that. Um, there's so much more to talk about that I don't think teens are there yet. You know? I, yeah, I think you almost have to have already gone through high school. It's reflective. To look yeah. back on this and be like, oh, I get these jokes. Um, Absolutely. You know, Diablo Cody, I, feel, I mean, obviously, like, she won the Oscar for Juno. And um, I, she, I, I think Juno is a good movie. I think she has more interesting movies. I think that... This is really good. I think that Young Adult and Tully are worth seeing if you haven't seen them. No. Um, I will say she did write Ricky and the Flash. Oh, no. I didn't say all of them were great. Um, um, but notably, I, I, I don't know if you've seen this. I think you haven't. She wrote and produced and created United States of Terra. Yeah, I, I know that I should because, you know, all of the collette of it all, speaking of which, I, it's, still <laughs> on my, it's still on my need to watch list. You know what it is? We've talked about this. There's those shows where you're like, ugh, it's a Showtime show. Ugh, you oh. know? It's kind of like the Pepsi to HBO's Coke, you know? It's uh -huh. like, or oh, vice versa. Yeah, <laughs> it, depending on what you prefer. But it's just like, ugh, I don't want to watch Shameless. Ugh. And so I think sometimes I, I put United States of Terror in the same bucket I might put Californication, you know? Okay. Unfairly, unfairly. Okay, I highly recommend United States of Terror. Okay. I, well, I, I okay, and I, I highly recommend Young Adult. It's got Charlize Theron. She's great. Okay, Young Adult. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I saw Young Adult. I think I did. It's, it's been a, a while. It's a good airplane movie. It's a great yeah. if you're on a plane. Young Adult will get you, you know, halfway home. You know, most kind of uh, recently, Diablo Cody won the Tony for best book of of musical for Jagged Little Pill. That's right. That's right. Work I ought to know Atlantis. that. Yeah. Yeah. You ought to know that. I ought to know that. Yeah. You're, you're forgiven. Um, yeah. I had one hand in my pocket and the other one was looking up her awards. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You're definitely uninvited. And you think I was in the front row. You think I would have known, you know? Oh, my God. I am a very sympathetic character. Yeah. Um, I, that uh, I would be good. Well, um, I'm glad you didn't stay in your house, you know? And you went I out. was hoping you would say that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll be joining you soon. Yeah, I know, I know you don't, you know, I don't need your congratulations, but uh, I looked up a few things myself, you know. You know, I'll teach you all this in 80s steps, how to appreciate Diablo Cody. Oh, I can't handle it. I need no pressure over cappuccino. <laughs> no pressure. Oh, God, we're canceled. I know, awful. Um, this is the main stage episode. All of them is. are hearing this. This isn't Matreon. I know they're all hearing this. They're hearing how terrible. The people and who hate listen to this podcast just had to listen to that. Yeah. Well, I did just see Alanis at the Hollywood Bowl and lived my best life. I was surrounded by only gay men and women in their 40s and 50s. And I was like, these are my people. I'm not this sure I want the world to be populated with anything else. There might be some exceptions. I'll take applications. But it's a nice, that's a nice crowd, you know? It was... So good. Uh, we were friends with everybody, and everybody knew the words, um, with like a couple of exceptions that were dragged there by their partners. Yeah. Um, but man, it was, yeah. So it's worth just going on a little jagged little pill ramp. Sure, sure. Yeah, Diablo yeah. Cody, work. I'm glad you won that, Tony. 
Yeah, good for it her. Makes I up mean, for Ricky in the Flash. Right? It does. It does. I wish I, you know, I still haven't seen. Uh, all I know is oh, my just, kids in one room. Good to yeah. see my kids again. Yeah. But good for. I mean, she's now won. She's won. An, okay, so she's won a Tony. She's won an Academy Award. Has she won a Grammy or an Emmy yet? No, no not no. yet. She didn't win any no. Emmys. All right. Well, she's she's on her way. She's on her way. She she's, is on her way. Yeah. She's she got her toe. She's got her toe on the line. You, you, some would say that she probably should have won something for United States of Terra. You know? Yeah. I mean, not, not having seen it, I'll believe you. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it gets a little... It's a little wild, but, and you know, sometimes you're like, uh, is this too much, Tara? Um, but you, uh, the whole cast is great, Mary. The whole cast of that show, Patton Oswald. Oh, Rosemary I DeWitt's think you in would, it, right? Rosemary DeWitt is phenomenal in it. I love yes. her. Yeah. Yes. Brie Larson is so good. John Corbett is so good. John Corbett. <sighs> yeah, Mary. Yeah. The little gay son. He broke my it. heart. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He, he broke he my heart. He um, broke my heart. Yes. Uh, she has a gay son. Oh, let's look at this. I oh. think so. I I don't know if he like comes out, but he's, you know, he's, he's got a he's yeah he's he, you know he's you know. Oh, Eddie Izzard was in it for eight episodes. I um, guess so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Zosha Hammett, Mamet, whatever. Yeah. Michael was Hitchcock. Uh huh. He's uh mm-hmm. he's it was Viola he in, Davis. Uh, Viola Mary? Davis is in it. Girl. It's it's Diablo Cody, Francis Conroy. I mean, what? this was this was a show. I this thought I'd have to show. watch How to Get Away with Murder to watch Viola Davis on television. Look at this. Yeah, she she's in season three, Francis Conroy. Oh, and Frank Conroy. Uh huh. Oh my god, look at this. Look at that. Pamela Reed shows up for four episodes. I love Pamela Reed. Uh, so I think that this is a show that you could kind of dive into. And I got to say, Mary, the episodes are only thirty minutes. Okay, so, now you're selling me. And you know, honestly, um. The other two, season two is done. I think work in progress is last episode of season two is today. So mm. I've got gaps. I've got gaps in my schedule. So I could watch some United States of Tara. All right, Mary. Uh, yeah, Diablo Cody, I, I can't say enough good things about this script. And I think pairing her with Karen Kasama is... I mean, this is what you get. I think they should do something together again. Absolutely. I was, I was so, cause I didn't know that she directed it. And so when she popped up, I was like, Oh, yeah. I love you. I know yeah. you. I mean, yeah. for anyone who we talked about it on all right, scary last year on Matreon. Um, but for anyone who hasn't seen the invitation, Oh, this Halloween season, do not deprive yourself. The invitation is so fucking good. And Karen, slow burn. Yeah. Yes. It's a slow burn. And, and so well, Directed for sure, yeah. The, um, this movie, you know, obviously a little bit lighter because it's a satire, but still scary. Um, and mm-hmm. I gotta say, Mary's that scene, the eight six seven five three zero nine scene, is horrifying. Oh I mean, yeah, is, you don't feel good after it. Yeah, well, there was sure. there was kind of a last house on the left quality to all of that of like, oh god, I know this isn't gonna end well, and I just have to stay in the scene until it's over. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh god, yeah they. It dragged on because they don't start stabbing her until the chorus. Like, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. But Oof. you don't see any knives going in or they don't show any gratuitous nudity uh, violence. So right. I appreciate right. that. I don't think there is nudity in this movie. There isn't. I think that we get some, you know, we don't even get partial nudity. We don't even get like half a cheek. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would have expected the men to be more naked in this movie. If I'm being, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, I I could have gotten into some J.K. Simmons, a dad butt. Yeah, dad butt. Mind a dad butt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got he's got that hook. He can do all kinds. He can reach all yeah. kinds of places with that hook. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Marys, uh, we're gonna end our episode there for uh, Jennifer's Gooby. Uh, if you have any thoughts on this episode, you can reach out to us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com or tasteofreality.com slash allright-mary or on Twitter at allrightmary. Uh, if you want, you can follow me on Instagram at Johnny Also or on Twitter at Johnny Also One. And you can get even more of me on two other podcasts, whether it be In the Details, A Celebration of Nuance, or Best Supporting Podcasts, A Celebration of Best Supporting Actresses. And you can get more of me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can get more of both of us, including more All Right Scary episodes, Drag Race UK Season 3. Or if you become an only mayor, you get all of that plus things like Save Zone drama and, and just honestly a fuck ton of content. All of that at Patreon.com slash All Right Mary. All Right Mary. Yeah, I think it's worth noting on, on this podcast that we are going to be discussing in little bites, little uh, morsels, uh, Canada's Drag Race uh, at our Only Mary's level uh, when that starts up this week. Um, that's going to be on the Only Mary's level. It's just there's so much content and we can't do full discussions we ha we're just going to kind of like zoom in um but we do want to keep up with the kardashians uh, so to speak so uh we will be doing that over on uh patreon um at the only mary's level uh, yes otherwise uh it's continuing with uk uh and everything that colin just said uh next week's all right scary episode uh is probably our one of our most requested um, for the past two or three years since we've been doing All Right Scary. And we're finally doing it. And the hint I'm going to give you is... Oh, she's a big girl. Yes, she was. Uh, I can smell your clue. <laughs> I can smell Good. your hint. I can smell your hint. I can, I can smell your hint. I yeah. can smell your hint. <laughs> uh, we are uh, tackling that titan of a movie. Um, and... That will be next week, and uh, we're sure to not be silent about it. Yeah, so uh, it it plays the episode or it gets the hose. <laughs> That's right, Mary. Well, uh, we're going to send you off uh, with, I don't know, Mary, Through the Trees? Uh, probably. We'll probably do Through the Trees because, you know, it's so beautiful, and it means so much. And so this is for everyone. This is dedicated <laughs> to you. This is Through the Trees. Tatis. I can see through.